Welcome to Remote Works, an original podcast from Citrix. I'm Melanie Green. This season, we're exploring the way hybrid work is affecting people's work lives. We'll delve into the innovative ways companies are adapting to hybrid work and the challenges that remain for managers and employees. Today, why trust and empathy are the linchpins of a healthy hybrid workplace. One way trust really shows up is when we think about our return to office or hybrid work plans. And leaders need a new need a new map. They need a new model for how to lead in this environment. Trust is crucial. According to the Citrix Work Rebalanced Report, 8 in 10 employees say that it's important to have an employer they can trust. But only 49% say that they actually trust their employer. And lots of people are talking about this lack of trust, but doing so anonymously. Entire Reddit threads are devoted to a lack of trust at work, shared by employees who all feel the need to remain anonymous. I feel like I'm untrusted, you know? We have to be in the office so they can make sure that we work. Yet I can look around at any time and see half my team fiddling on their phones. It just makes very little sense to me. Does anyone have experience with employee monitoring software? I'm not a fan of the idea, but management wants it deployed on staff laptops if we have people working from home for various reasons. Wow, I feel gross for asking for this stuff, but not sure how else you verify the employee is doing what they say they're doing. This question about how to use employee tracking software is more common than you think. Almost half the employers surveyed for the Work Rebalanced Report say they've installed tracking software on their remote employees' computers to keep track of their work. And another 32% say they're considering doing so. Of course, there are some industries where tracking software is necessary for regulatory reasons. And in that case, it wouldn't be much different from a worker's in-office computer setup. But in a workplace where that isn't the case... This tactic can lead to resentment and loss of morale, or even staff quitting. Frankly, I would 100% quit if I worked somewhere that did that. Despite the past two years of remote working and all the data that's being collected around how working from home often makes people more productive, half of business leaders still believe that when out of sight from colleagues and bosses, employees don't work as hard. My manager legit told me she likes me being in the office so she can physically see me and be reminded of tasks she wants to give me. I answer all her emails pretty much immediately as is. In my head, I was like, that sounds like a you problem and not a me working from home problem. Presenteeism, as it's called, is a hard habit to break. Dr. Caroline Knight is a research fellow at Curtin University's Future of Work Institute in Perth, Australia. She's been studying the effects of the pandemic on people's work experience and how trust plays into that. So we called her up to talk about workplace trust, starting with that hated monitoring software and her theory that its use can be traced to a lack of confidence amongst managers. We found that managers were actually reporting not being so confident themselves um, in managing employees remotely. And this might be because many managers were obviously forced to suddenly manage remote workers and they may not have been used to it. So in order to regain some control, it might be that managers then felt they needed to constantly check up on employees, check they're working on 
which tasks and whether they, those tasks are, are being completed to a timely fashion. So might be lacking some of that self-efficacy in being able to manage in remote employees. It might be also that they have their own leaders who are asking them for their KPIs and how they're doing. So it's kind of um, learn from how your leaders are managing you. You might use the same styles to manage other people. So it could also be a bit of that, like top leaders also monitoring managers and those managers then monitoring their employees. Hmm. So... What role does presenteeism play then? I suppose when we're in the office, so presenteeism sort of refers to when people are kind of at work, but perhaps they're not being that effective or that proficient, they're not getting lots done, they're kind of at work, but not really engaged, I guess we would say. So we found that it was really managers' beliefs around whether employees can be effective when they're working remotely, which has an impact on whether they will actually end up closely monitoring employees. Hmm. So what impact does that have on employees then? Yeah, so it can have quite a detrimental impact. I've actually got a couple of studies which um, show that close monitoring does cause negative well-being outcomes. For the first study, we looked at uh, distress trajectories over the first three months of the pandemic. We looked at distress trajectories of employees who, who, who took our survey. So we had quite a, a large sample from many different countries. And we found using some latent profile analysis, which looks for natural subgroups of people, um, we found that there's actually two subgroups of people. And there was one group that started with a high distress, but also that distress increased over time and didn't decline. And then there was another group of people where distress was a little bit lower to start with, sort of around April 2020, but then it actually decreased over time, which was super interesting. And we, obviously being interested in work design and work and how work suddenly changed at the beginning of the pandemic, we were really curious to, to understand whether some of these work factors were implicating which trajectory people were in in terms of distress. And we found that um, close monitoring was actually predictive of people who are in the higher distress trajectory. So these people their distress sort of increased and stayed higher when they were being closely monitored, whereas people who were less monitored, their distress decreased. So we actually found that this close monitoring was really driving sort of that anxiety and depression, whereas, you know, resources, which we would often expect to have positive outcomes, when people have more autonomy and more support from employees and managers, they're more likely to experience things like engagement and job satisfaction. So, I mean... You spent so much time gathering data about this, but I just want to bring it down to that human level. What does it feel like to be close monitored? Yeah, so what we've found, and I've actually been doing some qualitative interviews as well with people who are working from home during the pandemic, and they've obviously given us quite a rich set of results around that. And these people are kind of reporting how they felt tethered to their desk. They felt like the managers were always on their shoulder, that they couldn't just leave their computers. They felt that they had to always be on the computer to respond to any messages that came through just because they actually were very conscious that if they weren't at their computers, they, they might be interpreted as them not working. Although, you know, if you'd been in an office, you know, you wouldn't think twice about going to get a cup of tea or just having a chat with someone you bump into in the corridor. It felt a bit different at home because nobody could see what you're doing. So really it, it implicates kind of how you feel that you're being treated by your manager, also the organization. So it can have quite a negative impact on people and that might lead to a lack of motivation to actually perform well. So what happens in a workplace when there's an erosion of trust? 
I think it creates a lack of motivation for employees. I think when employees don't feel trusted, they feel like they're not really getting their needs met. But potentially, they might be more likely to leave, uh, which obviously creates turnover and is, isn't optimal for organizations when they've obviously invested in, in these employees to recruit them in the first place. People might feel very stressed and have to take time off work. So there could be a lot of negative outcomes from post-monitoring in the workplace. No kidding. Caroline, do you have a personal story or an example of a time when you were monitored closely or know of someone? And how did that feel? I do, actually. Um, So this would be when I'd just graduated with my honours degree when I was in the UK still around the sort of Durham, Newcastle area. And I was actually working in a call centre at that point. And it's one of the worst experiences I've ever had, actually, because we actually had to log into a system at a specific time point. And every time you needed to leave, even just to go to the toilet or take a tea break, you'd have to log exactly what you're doing and when. And the timings were all recorded. Because I was a part of a call centre and obviously taking calls and things, I, I had my headphones and headsets and everything and every time I had to leave basically I had to make a note and say why I was going Um, and so you did really feel very tethered to your desk and I think that's one of the worst experiences that I've had because I I just felt in a sort of imprisoned I guess you don't feel you don't have any autonomy we know from work design research people need autonomy it's actually one of the fundamental needs in self-determination theories that people need to be able to have the freedom to manage themselves and, and in the work context to be able to do their work in, in the way that suits them best. And then people actually perform better. Caroline and I also discussed the importance of empathy when it comes to team leadership. 70% of employees say that their experience of the pandemic has made it clear that empathy is a crucial quality in a leader. And having empathy as a manager goes a long way to building trust in a hybrid work environment. So I think it's really about a manager building a good relationship with their employees. And I've actually done some research. It was a meta-analysis which pulls together research from a lot of different studies. And it shows that when leaders are empathic and they can build trust in their employees, these actually have a much more beneficial effect on both individual outcomes, but also organizational outcomes. I'd like to turn to the theme of trust more broadly because I am fascinated. According to Citrix Work Rebalanced Report, eight in 10 employees say that it's important to have an employer that they can trust. But only 49% say that they actually trust their employer. Why is trust so important to employees, especially in a hybrid context? Feeling trusted really means that individuals feel valued and they feel comfortable in the organization. So I think when you feel trusted, you're motivated, you're intrinsically motivated to do a good job for your employer because you feel that they're actually valuing you. And I think that's just a fundamental human need to feel valued. So organizations, when they sort of don't value their employees, the employees are less likely to be committed to that organization. They're sort of more likely to leave. Trust is a a huge one. It's a super obviously important thing to develop. And because it's so hard to develop, it's obviously attracts a lot of research from organizational psychologists. But we do know that from leaders who can actually create that trust in their employees, they do have better outcomes. This is also very interesting. What about trust between colleagues as well? Or in addition to between managers and reports, what tips do you have about how leadership can foster trust among peers? One way to foster trust among peers is actually to encourage sharing of knowledge and information. 
for instance, in the academic world, we very much try to share what each of us is working on simply because we all have different skills and knowledge and we can help each other. So we try and build a culture, I guess, or climate of trust whereby, you know, we might have weekly seminars just so that we can actually present the work that we're working on and get some feedback from people. Because it's one way, if you're getting stuck with something, you can actually get some feedback from others. Because people see you sharing your work and they're more likely to give feedback, you more likely develop those relations with people which are much more helpful and positive. You develop a culture of positive feedback, I guess. So I think managers can um, model the kind of behaviours that we should like their colleagues to adopt as well. So they can encourage, say, you know, team meetings where people share what they're working on and then model that kind of behaviours of giving positive feedback and other colleagues are more likely to then come in with thoughts of their own and fostering that kind of trust climate, I guess. Hmm. Okay. So those are the things you need to sort of create the right circumstances. I know that some of your research on boosting job performance at home has shown that managers who show employees support and appreciation will foster more trust. And I think that's what you're talking about. I'm curious, in a hybrid work context, what does it look like for managers to show support and appreciation? Okay, so I guess the the mode has to change a bit, but I think it's still very possible to show support and appreciation. Again, it would be through sort of regular contact with employees, but not for the case of monitoring them, but just to actually discuss their kind of progress and what they're doing on a normal, regular basis, but then providing positive feedback during that. And to actually say, okay, pointing out the things that that person's done well, and then you can have constructive feedback. For instance, in our organization, we have lots of different Teams channels. And one of those is more about recognizing, you know, what people's successes and achievements and people can post and get some feedback from people. Managers can encourage that and be part of that as well. So I think, again, it's developing a wider climate of this trust and sort of appreciation. Dr. Caroline Knight is a research fellow at Curtin University's Future of Work Institute in Perth, Australia. Caroline talked about how that culture of trust has to come from the top, and she's not alone in that thinking. One of my big concerns is how do you build trust in a hybrid world, and it starts and it ends with leadership. Bushan Seti is a global leader of people and organization at PricewaterhouseCoopers, or PwC, one of the world's biggest accounting firms. He's involved in the company's new equation initiative, and his focus is on building trust. As part of the launch of our new equation, in the US, we actually launched an initiative where we said, how can we actually help the business community build trust? And one of the ways that that showed up for us is we launched a Trust Leadership Institute. Our plan is to take 10,000 leaders, executive leaders, emerging leaders from all different industries through an immersive learning program where they'll really learn how does trust show up? How does trust show up when I'm engaging different stakeholders? How does it show up when I'm managing my workforce? So it's really embedding trust in all aspects of business. Bushan has worked with thousands of leaders, and he says there's a huge thirst for leadership development in this new hybrid context. There's a real risk with hybrid work that it actually leads to less trust in organizations. And it's really important for firms to actually, and leaders to actually acknowledge that, to understand that it's human nature for us to build relationships and affirmation towards people who are close to us. It's important to understand that 
The five minutes before and after the meeting is a really important time to build social connection and relationships and build trust. So what we're not saying is that that shouldn't happen. What we are saying is leaders have to be really deliberate. They have to understand that how they engage remote teams, how they engage people who are not in the meeting, how they make sure that people aren't getting progressed or better opportunities or better quality feedback just because they're in the office, that that really needs to take place. So the hybrid environment is here to stay. It's the way workers want to work. By and large, many organizations that have successfully um, worked remote will be some form of hybrid. And again, that will be different. It will play out in different industries in different ways. Trust has always been an important value in the business world, but now it's more important than ever. Trust has always been on the business agenda. During COVID, it just got heightened. Every organization needs to think about customer safety. Every organization needs to think about the employee safety. They need to be thinking about mental health and well-being. And as we enter some economic headwinds, they need to be thinking about how do we responsibly grow our businesses. And it starts with how leaders manage their teams. Earlier, Caroline mentioned that hybrid work environments run into trouble in this area because leaders are insecure. So a successful hybrid work environment also requires resources and training for leaders. As we worked with an organization that was looking to build a new hybrid leadership model, one of the most important pieces of that was really understanding that different leaders were at different places. Um, some were uncomfortable with the context of a personalized leadership approach to, to meet different people's needs. Some were struggling with what does inclusive leadership actually mean? Um, some had different interpretations of trust um, in, in, in terms of, did it mean that we have to be super vulnerable? The reason why it actually worked is we actually started talking about what are the leadership behaviors you need? You need to be really focused on redesigning work so we can make sure we can differentiate between the work that needs to be done together, so synchronous work, versus the work that, and you can actually give people more flexibility. And leading in a hybrid environment requires a special set of skills that don't necessarily come naturally to everyone. The words inclusive leadership are on the lips of many, many executives. Now, that doesn't mean that we all know how to be inclusive leaders. And if you lead in a, if you have made a commitment to hybrid work, you have to lead differently. You have to be incredibly deliberate about including everyone in major decisions, in major meetings. You have to be very deliberate to make sure that you don't fall to the risk of proximity bias, where you're giving progression and opportunities and development and building social relationships with only those people that are in your physical presence. And you've got to make sure that you don't have inequity. The last thing we need as a society is greater divides in the workforce. And there's a real risk if hybrid work gets implemented incorrectly that we'll get more inequity, we'll have more people who have diverse backgrounds or caregivers who don't come into the office as often, they get left behind. So hybrid work really needs to be handled with care to remain equitable. What's really interesting now with workforce is there is a new social contract. There is a new way of engaging between employers and employees. And 
Leaders can absolutely make or break trust through their daily interactions with their people, the way they give and receive feedback, the way they make accommodations for people's schedules who don't feel comfortable coming back to the office. One way trust really shows up is when we think about our return to office or hybrid work plans. And leaders need a new map. They need a new model for how to lead in this environment. It needs to be much more inclusive. Leaders have to demonstrate empathy to their people. They need to take care of people's well-being. Empathy, which enables that crucial inclusivity, is key. But for hybrid work to work, we have to lead in a different way. We have to lead with inclusive behaviors, and we have to lead in a way that that builds trust. Trust that all voices are recognized. Trust that my progression will not be impeded because I am not showing up to every social event and I am not in the office five days a week and I am not close to the executive corridor. And then we need to make sure that we have governance in place to say our underrepresented minorities, our diverse communities who may not come into the office as much as others are not being impacted by this and that we are not going to renege on our very public commitments to diversity, equity, and inclusion. There's no question that trust and empathy have always been important factors in any type of workplace. But in a hybrid model, these values need to be front and center. Employees need to feel valued and trusted. And employers need to understand why giving their employees autonomy and treating them with kindness and respect will lead to a better workplace. Thanks for listening to Remote Works, an original podcast from Citrix. I'm Melanie Green. If you want to know more about what employers and employees are saying about hybrid work, you can check out the Work Rebalanced Report, published by Citrix. Visit more.citrix.com slash hybrid work report to learn more. Next time on our journey through the world of hybrid work, are the tech tools you use helping or hindering your work life?